I, I, I need to know how many of you actually followed instructions, closed your eyes, and did not open them until he told you to. Let me see your hands. Well, I'm impressed, like nobody over here, but more over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, seriously, I'm impressed if you did that. So how many of you peaked? Let me see your hands. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. A bunch of nonconformists in here. Which way I, yeah, me too, by the way. Isn't it interesting how different our personality is and how we respond to different things? You know, um, they actually have personality inventories to tell you what your personality is like. One of my favorite ones is the one that classifies you as an animal. You know which one I'm talking about? Where you can either be a lion, an otter, a beaver, or a golden retriever. So if you have a lion type of personality, you're a leader, you're strong, and so on. If you're an otter, you're very personable, you're passionate, you know, you're enthusiastic and energetic. If you're a beaver, you're much more structured, analytical, task-oriented. Of course, then there's the golden retriever. Everybody loves the golden retriever. Retriever is happy and easy going, fun to be with, and so on. Now, obviously, it's not that simple. We're a blend probably of all of those. But even as I'm talking, one of those may have stood out to you to be a bit of a dominant characteristic for you. Now, the more sophisticated personality test, of course, one of them is Myers-Briggs. Maybe you've heard of that. And it puts you in one of 16 different categories in terms of your personality. And I think you have probably recognized some of these terms with regard to personality. So, for example, you can be introverted or extroverted, right? That's one category. One is, um, let's see, intuitive or sensing. Another one is thinker or feeler, feeler. Another one is perceiving or judging. And you can figure out which one you are um, based on that. When I, and by the way, there's no right or wrong, there's no bad or good. It just shows differences in people. Now, when I take the Myers-Briggs personality inventory, I am classified as an ISTJ. I stands for introverted, S for sensing, T for thinker, J for judging. And don't let the word judging mislead you. Sometimes we think of that in a negative sense, but it just means um, someone who likes to be planned and organized and likes to have things orderly. That's the way it works. Now, what are some traits of an ISTJ? Well, on the positive side, they're very determined. Um, They like to have things in order. They persevere. They're very responsible. But it also tells you some of your weaknesses, or maybe a better way to put that is some cautions for you. So, for example, my personality, ISTJ, they say, be careful. You're not always in touch with your feelings. That one hits a little too close to home. Sometimes ISTJ personality can be too hard on themselves. And they don't function well at all in an unstructured or an unplanned environment. Now, they give you some people who are like your personality. So with mine, ISTJ, they say people like George Washington, Queen Elizabeth, Denzel Washington, and Jason Bourne. I like that last one, by the way. Um, they, but, but, you know, you think about it, they're always going to give you people who have that personality who are flattering to you, right? I mean, it's not like they're going to say, you have a personality like Adolf Hitler or Kim Jong-un or something like that. They're going to they're give you ones clearly that are flattering to you. Jesus had 12 disciples. Someone 
decided to study and classify the 12 disciples and to put them into personality types. Of course, the most dominant disciple clearly was Peter. And so Peter has been classified as an ENFP. That means he's an extrovert, and he's intuitive, and he's a feeler, and he's perceiving. Now, what are some characteristics of this type of personality? Well, people like this are very energetic and enthusiastic. They're passionate. They get excited about life. They love life. They love people. They love to be spontaneous. Sometimes they have the gift of gab, which can get them into trouble. Sometimes they have lapses of judgment and can they, they can reach wrong conclusions. Hmm. I just described Peter. Now, we are beginning a series today that we're calling Man in the Mirror. Well, we're going to look for the next several weeks at the life of Peter in the Bible. And what this is about, Peter had many times throughout his life where I think he had to look in the mirror and ask himself some hard and significant questions. And throughout this series, we'll have the opportunity to do that as well as we look at some of these questions that Peter asked himself. The one we want to look at today is, should I follow? Should I follow Jesus? That's a question Peter had to ask himself. Look in the mirror and ask that question. And we'll have the opportunity to ask ourselves and answer that question for ourselves as well. I think you're going to be able to relate to Peter at some point during this series. Even if you don't have his personality type, you'll have a moment or two where you'll go, ah, I do that or I'm like that. Almost all of us at one time or another throughout the series will have one of those times where we'll go, I've had a Simon Peter moment. He, he was rough around the edges. He was impulsive. He was unpredictable. And yet there's so much to like about this guy. Jesus saw so much potential in Peter. And uh, Peter was such a passionate guy. We'll see that passion come out in him. We'll see that he was often one of the first ones to speak up. We'll see that he had some serious lapses in judgment. But who Peter became was a remarkable person. So I want us to meet Peter this morning. To do that, we're going to go to Luke chapter 5 in the Bible. This is one of the first recorded encounters between Jesus and between Peter. By the way, are you doing the Ridge reading challenge? In other words, reading through the New Testament with us this year? I hope you are. If you aren't, it's not too late. Get started. A quick quiz, pop quiz. What chapter are we going to read tomorrow? Oh, thank you. So I think somebody said Acts 7. Yeah, we're coming to Acts 7 tomorrow is what we're going to read. So it's not too late. But Luke 5, what we're going to look at this morning, we already read that. We just read that a few weeks ago in our Ridge Reading Challenge. But if you're not, um, check out social media or so on and figure out how to get part of that. I want to begin by reading to you Luke chapter 5. I'm going to read this whole story to you because I think it's important for us to have an overview of the story. Then we'll go down, back and break it down a little bit. So here's what it says, Luke 5, 1. One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the Word of God. He noticed two empty boats on the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, by the way, that's Peter. His name was Simon. Jesus is the one, and we'll see later, changed it to Peter. Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. 
When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Now, I want you to hear Peter sigh, okay? Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell on his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I am such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. This is an amazing story. And it serves as an amazing introduction to Peter. Now, the Sea of Galilee is where this took place. Some of you know that I just got back from there. I was in Israel just about a month ago. So I can't help but telling you about one of my experiences at the Sea of Galilee. On the tour, they take you to the spot where they think this took place. Where what we just read, Luke 5, this story actually took place. Where Jesus was in the boats with, um, in, with Peter. It's right along the shore. Here's a picture of me standing in that very spot. It's not a good picture, but it's a picture. The sun was behind us. But they, this is perhaps right where this story took place. And I remember standing in this spot. I remember what it was like and thinking to myself, Jesus could have been standing right here. Now that's a moment, isn't it? And it's in moments like that, I think, that Jesus becomes even more real to you. Now, this lake, the lake that we call the Sea of Galilee, is actually a good-sized lake. It, the scenery is breathtaking. You can see that in this picture with the foothills surrounding the lake. Jesus' hometown was Nazareth, and it's about 10 miles from this lake. So essentially, we're in Jesus' stomping grounds. And Jesus did a lot of cool things at the Sea of Galilee. Peter was there for a lot of those. This is where Jesus calmed the storm. This is where he walked on water. This is where he fed 5,000 people. Peter had a couple of buddies named James and John. Apparently, these guys fished together. So they were business partners as well as friends. These are three of the guys that Jesus used to change the world. But here's full disclosure. Peter had a history of opening his mouth and speaking before his brain was in gear. He often blurted out whatever was on his mind at the time, and it got him into trouble. But I think Jesus loved the authenticity that Peter had. You'll remember, if you've read the story, that on the, the night Jesus was arrested and was crucified, that Peter got scared and actually denied that he even knew Jesus. Now, James and John, who we were introduced to in the story, are called the sons of thunder by Jesus. Why? I think it's because they were guys who were looking to pick a fight. They were hot-headed, in other words. I mean, and you could even add Peter to that list of being hot-headed. 
They had a quick temper. All three of these guys. How would you like to have these three guys as followers? You ever know anybody like that? Someone who's hot-headed or someone who's just looking to pick a fight? I went to school with a kid who was always wanting to fight someone when I was in elementary school. And if he didn't have anybody to be mad at or didn't have someone to fight, he'd start something so he could fight. And most people just left him alone. On one occasion, Jesus was in a town where the townspeople rejected him. So James and John told Jesus, let us just call down fire from heaven and just torch these people. On another occasion, when Jesus was about to be arrested, Peter grabs this guy's sword and took a swing at him and cut off his ear. A lot of patience, or a lot of passion, but apparently not a lot of skill. I think he kind of missed her when he got his ear. But why am I telling you all this? These are three central characters in the story we're reading today. They're, three, they're the three main guys Jesus used to change the world. And it can leave you asking the question, seriously, these guys? Jesus connected with ordinary people. We read that after Jesus finished speaking in the story in Luke 5, that he said, let's go fishing. Now, don't you like it that Jesus preached and fished in the same clothes? And I think the point is this. Jesus just entered into the ordinariness of people. If Peter had been a truck driver, Jesus would have said, let's go for a drive. If John had been an executive of a company, Jesus would have said, hey, let's do lunch. If James had been a soccer coach, Jesus would have said, let's talk about how your team's doing this year. So the first thing I want us to understand about being a follower of Jesus is this. People who follow Jesus are ordinary. If Jesus were around today, he would want to hang out with you. Why? Because Jesus valued hanging out with ordinary people. He'd ask you if you want to go shopping. He'd ask you if maybe this afternoon you'd want to watch the Winter Olympics together or watch the Daytona 500. He'd ask you if he could tag along, tag along with you while you take your kids to the playground. He would ask you if he could work on the car with you. Jesus is looking for ordinary people to hang out with and to follow him. I want to go back to the story in Luke 5 and read you something again. Um, this is Luke 5, verses 4 and 5. And I want us to spend a minute focusing on what it says. Here's verse 4. When he, Jesus, had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Now again, I want you to hear Peter sigh or see some sort of facial expression. He rolled his eyes before he said this. He goes, Master, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the debts down again. Jesus asked Peter to go fishing. Now we kind of know what Peter's thinking, right? Master, you want us to do what? You understand that we just got done, right? You understand that we just came from fishing all night long. 
right? You understand that we didn't catch a thing, right? You understand that we're tired and frustrated, right? You understand that now with the sun hitting water, it's probably not going to be the best time to fish, right? You're a carpenter, and I respect that. You're a teacher, and I respect that. But honestly, Jesus, you know preaching. We know fishing. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt that God didn't understand what was really happening in your life? Maybe you thought, well, you know, God knows about spiritual things. He knows about stuff like the Bible and heaven and angels and praying and church. But when it comes to my job or when it comes to my kids or when it comes to my problems, sometimes I feel like God's clueless. So that leaves us a second thing we need to understand about Jesus. People who follow Jesus obey him. Let me explain to you what, how this works. Peter is asking himself the question, what is Jesus thinking? He needs to stick to preaching, not fishing. Understand that when Jesus asked them to go fishing, this isn't a grab your Zebgo, your tackle box, and a little cooler. I mean, these guys are commercial fishermen. This was their livelihood. This was their major source of income. They're tired. They're frustrated. They have heavy nets that would have taken a long time to clean. They've just about finished cleaning those nets. And Jesus says, hey, fellas, let's go fishing. In the back of Peter's mind, I think he is probably thinking, how could you ask such a thing? When my wife and I um, were on Florida in vacation, and by the way, on vacation here recently, by the way, we just got back this week, and I had concluded that the sun no longer shines in Indiana. Um, someone pointed out to me between the services that was a shining a little bit, so I ran out and looked at it real quick because I understand it's not going to shine for the next five days. So my wife and I were considering headed south again, but when we were on, on vacation in Florida, Janet and I had the opportunity to go fishing with her uncle who lives on a canal down there. And he took us out into the bay or the sound, whatever you want to call it, where he fishes for trout. Now, I didn't try to tell him where to go or how to catch fish. He told us. He lives there. He fishes there six months out of the year. He's fished it for years and years. We were catching fish, trout, in about two to three feet of water. When the boat would drift, though and they would stop biting, he would look at his depth finder, and we had moved into four to five feet of water. And he said, oh, they won't bite in four to five feet of water. You need to be in about two to three feet of water. I didn't know that. I would not have known that. But he knows that. Sure enough, we move back into two to three feet of water, and we start catching fish again. He fishes that all the time. And we caught about 100 trout in three to four hours' time because we listened to him. It was fun. He knows how to fish those waters. Peter knows fishing. Jesus knows preaching, right? But I want you to notice how Peter responds. And this is so important. He says, Master. This is the first time that it's recorded that this word is used of Jesus, where he says, Master. I believe Peter picked that word intentionally. It's as if Peter is saying, I'm a professional fisherman. I worked hard all night and caught nothing. I want to go home. I want to go to bed. But because you say so, 
will do it. I wouldn't do this for anyone, Jesus, but I'll do it for you. Have any of you ever seen the movie The Princess Bride? It was a favorite at our house when our kids were growing up. And there are some great lines in that movie. One of my sons, when he was just a little guy, when I would come home at night, I would often be greeted at the door with him standing there looking at me, holding out a plastic sword, and he would say these words to me. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. <laughs> That's a line from the movie. Okay? Here's a clip showing that line. Watch this. Hello. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. You got to love that, don't you? Well, here's a bit of the backstory. Wesley, who was a farm boy, falls in love with Buttercup, who is the princess bride. He never, will, he never has the courage to tell her he loves her. But there's something he says to her every time she asks him to do something for him. Some of you may know what he would say. Anybody remember what he would say to her? As you wish. And he just keeps saying, as you wish to her over and over again. Watch this. Nothing gave Buttercup as much pleasure as ordering Wesley around. Farm boy, polish my horse's saddle. I want to see my face shining in it by morning. As you wish. As you wish was all he ever said to me. Farm boy, fill these with water. Please. As you wish. That day she was amazed to discover that when he was saying as you wish, what he meant was, I love you. Okay, now I know some of you guys have chick flick sirens going off in your head right now. So <laughs> let me give you a quick disclaimer, okay? There's enough violence in the movie to balance that out, all right? As you wish. That's what Peter is saying to Jesus. I don't get it. I don't understand it. In fact, I don't understand a lot of this. But as you wish. Why does God put us in situations that we often don't understand? Why would God leave us sometimes with more questions than answers? I don't know that I have a good specific answer for that, but one thing I know there are times it's because it's an opportunity for us to say to him, as you wish. It gives us the opportunity to show our faith in him, to obey him. When we ask why, God wants us to trust him. And that's what Peter does in this situation. He passes the test for a follower of Jesus because followers obey. And what I love about what happens next is Jesus just blows these guys away with a fish story 
that they're going to tell the rest of their lives. And we already read about it. They caught more fish than they've ever caught before in circumstances that you normally don't catch fish. You know, daytime, deep water, no fish were biting. Now that's a fish story, isn't it? Anybody here have a good fish story? Um, I've told you some of mine in the past. Golfers do the same thing with great shots especially holes in one. We have a lady in the church who recently got a hole in one at Otter Creek Golf Course. She's retired. She plays golf a lot, but it was her first. And, you know, that's the thrill of every golfer to get a hole in one. And I told her when I heard about it here not too long, I said, tell me all about it. I want to hear about it. And there's nothing like recounting that if you've gotten a hole in one. You know, the conditions, the club you use, the flight of the ball, the way it goes in the hole. And I joked with her that every time she was going to tell that story in the future, it was going to grow a little bit, you know. Like the wind was in her face. She was 220 yards out. The, hole, the ball hit 10 feet behind the pin and spun back into the hole. And fish stories are the same way. But try to top this one in Luke chapter 5. And against his better judgment, Peter throws the nets on the other side of the boat into the water. He starts to pull up the nets, and the muscles start to bulge in his arms. His eyes start to pop out, and a smile starts to flash across his face. Fish are spilling out of the nets. The nets begin to break. And from what we read earlier, Peter was awestruck. In fact, Peter falls on his knees, and I'm guessing he fell into a pile of fish. And he said, oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. It goes from Peter saying, stick to preaching, not fishing, to I don't even deserve to be around you. And it's in that moment that he, for the first time, saw Jesus for who he really was in all his purity and power. And Jesus turns to Peter, and I think he just held his hand out to help Peter get up, and he said, don't be afraid. And in that, we learn something else about Jesus, and it's this. People who follow Jesus experience him in supernatural ways. When you follow Jesus, your life will never be the same in a good way. You may never see a miracle like the one we read about this morning, but you'll see supernatural things happen like answered prayer, like changes in your life you never thought possible with regard to your attitude, your purpose in life, how you respond to others, how you spend your money, what you do with your time. You may find that you respond with patience and kindness or gentleness in a situation where you would not have in the past. You may have peace in a situation where as you look back, you would have had, had, you would have had anxiety. You may find that what brings you fulfillment in life has totally changed. All of a sudden, it's investing in people's lives that brings you fulfillment. Serving them is what you desire to do. Don't ever minimize the work of God in your life. It happens when you become a follower. It's just as significant as nets being filled to overflowing with fish. I want to show you one other thing that's true for followers of Jesus. But let's read verse 10 before we do that again. 
Here's what Jesus says in verse 10. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. Jesus simply says, let's go fishing for people. In other words, when you follow me, guys, you're going to learn to live differently. You're going to learn to live beyond your potential. And that's the final thing we learn about following Jesus from this story. People who follow Jesus live beyond their potential. From what we've learned about Peter, we know he was a fisherman. When he was in school, he wasn't a straight-A student. He wasn't the star of the basketball team. He wasn't president of his class. He wasn't voted most likely to succeed. When you weren't any of those, you went home and you fished. Yet Jesus picked Peter to be one of the leaders to carry the good news about him throughout the world and to change the world. And when you read about how God used Peter to change the world, you realize something. People who follow Jesus live beyond their potential. And there is nothing in the world like watching God use you to make a difference in someone else's life. We're all slightly imperfects. We're all clearance rack material. But Jesus believed in Peter and in his buddies. And you need to know he believes in you too. Let me share with you a story that I think sums it up well for us. This is how one girl tells her story. I grew up knowing I was different and I hated it. I was born with a cleft palate, and when I started school, my classmates made it clear to me how I looked to others. A little girl with a misshapen lip, a crooked nose, lopsided teeth, and garbled speech. When schoolmates asked, what happened to your lip? I'd tell them I'd fallen and cut it on a piece of glass. Somehow it seemed more acceptable to have suffered an accident than to have been born different. I was convinced that no one outside of my family would ever love me. There was, however, a teacher in the second grade that we all adored, Mrs. Leonard. She was short, round, happy, a sparkling lady. Annually, we had a hearing test. Mrs. Leonard gave the test to everyone in the class. Finally, it was my turn. I knew from watching others how it worked. We would stand against the door. We would cover one ear. The teacher was sitting in her desk, and she would whisper something, and then we would have to repeat it back to her, things like, the sky is blue, or do you have new shoes? Well, I waited there for the words that God must have put in her mouth that day. Seven words that changed my life. Mrs. Leonard said in her whisper to me, I wish you were my little girl. Do you know how good it feels to hear someone say, I wish you were mine? I wish you were my son. I wish you were my daughter. That's what Jesus is saying to each of us. I wish you were my child. I believe in you. I simply want you to respond. He's asking us to simply respond as you wish. So let's take a look in the mirror this morning. What area in your life do you need to say as you wish to Jesus? knowing that he loves you, that he believes in you. Is there an area you've been holding back? Your finances, 
your sexuality, your career, your time. Maybe it's that first step to surrender your life to him. To say, Jesus, I want to give my life to you. And I've been holding back. But today, I want to accept you into my life. And I want you to lead my life. You can even take that step in your heart and tell him that while I close in prayer.